Hello and welcome to the Free Life Community Church Podcast. My name is John DeLille, and I'm the communications guy at Free Life Community Church in Terre Haute, Indiana. Each week, Senior Pastor Dan Willis brings a rich, detailed, and relevant message grounded in Scripture, which is recorded on Sunday mornings and made available for you right here. You can find more messages at freelifecc.com or in the Google Play and iTunes podcast app. Hey, if you've benefited from listening to these messages, we ask that you try to help us out. You can help us out in two different ways. First, you can give us a rating in the app store that you use. Secondly, share this podcast with a family member, a friend, or a colleague. This really does help us to get these messages into the hands of the people who can really benefit from them. All right, without further ado, here's Senior Pastor Dan Willis. How are you today? Come on! You better than that! You know what? Let's say something. I have, an, I have an announcement to make today. Satan, you lose. Amen. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Sometimes it appears that he is winning, doesn't it? And maybe he wins a few battles here and there, a few skirmishes, but he loses the war. And uh, because we are attached to the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, death had no hold on him, and therefore he did his ability. And so I'm grateful and thankful for that today. Are you? Are you happy with yeah, and so uh, uh, this appeared to be a little chaotic today, but it was organized chaos, uh, and I loved it. Did you love that? Yeah. It was amazing, yeah. Our, our children are learning, and to see the kids lined up here tells me that we're drawing families with children, and we're, and we're influencing children for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And, and friends, uh, you know what? I, I learned a long time ago that I was not built and called to children's or youth ministry. It's just not my thing, but I'm grateful for those who are. So, uh, thank you. Yeah, to our children's department, our youth department, and uh, the things that they do. I'm grateful and thankful for them. Uh, and I know that you are as well. So, good morning, uh, our friends at, at uh, uh, online and those of you at Mecca. We're grateful, thankful that you're here today. I'm grateful for this uh, Palm Sunday. Uh, it was a beautiful day yesterday. And you know what? It's a beautiful day here, too. Uh, because, you know... We, we are celebrating something today that happened so many years ago, uh, and I think we have misinterpreted what the kingdom of God is really like, what it actually is, and, and why Jesus is king. And so I prepared a message today that will hopefully enlighten you about that. And if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 3, scroll down to verse 11, and I want to talk with you briefly about why the king came. Why the king came. Do you, do you know that uh, I sometimes don't understand the motive or the vision of leadership? Anybody identify with that? I mean, have you ever looked at Washington and wondered what in the world your government is doing? Anybody? Do you think it was the same way back to the colonials when they looked at the king who was, you know... Three-something thousand miles away and said, you know, uh, what are you doing? Right? I think that this is something that has gone on uh, from the beginning of humanity that we don't understand our leadership sometimes. And if you think that the CEO and the people that run the company you work for and know what they're doing all the time, I'm telling you, a lot of times it's a guess. Uh, I can tell you that in the church, a lot of times people will sit in the pew and they'll look at the pastor and, the, and, the, and the, the board and those who have some authority and they'll say, what the heck are you guys doing? We don't understand. 
And you know, here's the thing. When you're not involved in it, you don't understand. But here's the thing. Have you ever heard the statement, sometimes there's too many chiefs, not opinions? Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't want to, you know, uh, use just one group of people, but I think that's true. I think, I think that sometimes we don't understand what our leadership is doing, so we all want to be leaders because we all run it differently than the leader is. problem with it is not everybody's called to be the leader. God puts people in position. He puts pastors in position. He puts lay people in the leadership of churches. He puts them in, 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 in all sorts of ways. He uses people in order to lead a group. And the same is true with Jesus and his disciples. Do you know that the disciples walked with Jesus and he would do things and they most of the time didn't understand what in the world he was doing. In their minds, they had a pretty good idea of what they thought a king should be even a heavenly king, and what he ought to do, and how he ought to do it. In most cases, he didn't. In fact, friends, he didn't even choose the people as disciples that you and I would have. Right? I mean, I look at these 12 men he chose, I wouldn't have chosen one of them. Not one. I probably would have chosen Luke, who wasn't a disciple. <laughs> right? Okay, not original anyway. So, you have to understand that Christ has never done anything in the manner and way that you and I would. And so, on the flip side of that, we should look at it and say, well, if Christ has never done anything the way I would, why don't I stop trying to do things my way and look at him then? There you go. That's it. <laughs> right? Because we're, the chasm is so wide on how we do things. And so, why did King take uh, John chapter 3, verse 11? Listen to what he says. I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. Did you, know, did you notice here, he's talking in terms of plurality. More than one. Look what he says. We speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen. Well, friends, he's only one person talking, so who, who's he talking about? The Trinity. Okay, Jesus is saying, myself, the Father, and the Spirit, we are one, and we speak all the same language. We have testified. And you do not accept our testimony. In other words, if you don't accept me, you don't accept the Father, you don't accept the Spirit either. That's right. That's right. And, if, and, if, and if, if you accept the Father, you have to accept me. You understand? That's the way it goes. And today, I would reverse that and say, if you accept the Son... You must accept the Father. Because a lot of people are trying to separate that. He says, I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. That's <laughs> it. You do not. How then will you believe if I speak of heaven? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, which is the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. 
But whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. And this is the verdict. Did you hear what he said? This is the verdict. It's come in. It's been put out. It is absolute. It is done. Here's the verdict. Light has come into the world. But men, but the part simple here is humanity. Humanity loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. Amen. Here's my question. Did you get all that? Do you know how simple that is? Do you know why it's difficult? Because we make it difficult. Amen. Jesus said, here's the bit, here's the verdict. Light came into the world. But you didn't accept it because you preferred the darkness. Thank you. And if you hate the light, you're going to perish with the darkness. In fact, when you hate darkness, you're condemned already. Even though the verdict of eternity hasn't been passed down yet. But when you love darkness more than the light, then you haven't been transformed. And because you haven't, if he comes to, at that moment, you're done. You might as well be done already. So a decision has to be made, doesn't it? That's what Jesus is saying. And you know, for some people, their decision has to change. You know, for those of us who have chosen the light, our decision stands firm. But for those who have chosen to love the darkness, they need to change that decision. Aren't you grateful that in God's kingdom you can change your decision? Oh, yes. Because in a lot of ways, in the earth in, in the earth and in the world, you can't change your decision. Once you've made it, it's done. Yeah? That's right. That's right. Oh, yes. Back in Wyatt Earp's time, oh, yes. it, was a, it was a strange and evil time. It sure was. And uh, Johnny Ringo was asked what he would do as it related to the devil. What decision would you make? He said, I already made it. That's an individual who decided, I, I don't want to follow the light. I've made it. And it's eternal. In other words, I'm not going back on it. You know, when, when the devil has you, mm -hmm. it's hard to get away. It is. It, is. it really is. It is. And I think most of humanity have not made the decision for him. They've done it. They just don't know it. And if you don't know that you've done it, if you haven't consciously made that decision that you want to follow him, God gives you this opportunity you know, to change it and follow the light. And that's what he came to do on Palm Sunday. Many people have the wrong conception of what it means to be a Christian. Have you, have you considered that? I think people have the wrong conception about what it means to be a Christian. And this is incredibly evident from the time of Jesus. And so when he enters into Jerusalem on that first Palm Sunday, you know, the people are all lining the road and, and, and they're screaming and hollering and, you know, and, and they're excited because they think he's coming to throw the Romans out. They think he's coming in and there's enough of them. They could have done it. Okay. They could have overthrown. It would have been that tough. That's tough. You know, uh, have you ever, if anybody's ever been to the White House, 
you know that it, it's 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 a formidable place. You 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 you're not going to get in there. Now, one person a couple of years ago did hop the fence and run to the front door. Uh, it wasn't pretty when they got there, but he did. Uh, you know, so one person isn't going to get far. And we've proven here lately you can get into the Capitol probably. Here's the thing: you ain't going to keep it. You ain't going to stay there. Okay. But if enough people storm something, it's probably not going to stand. Right. And that's exactly what the Jews thought. They didn't have any weapons because they weren't allowed. It was illegal. Right. But the Romans only had so many people, and most of their soldiers didn't want to be there anyway. In fact, that was a poor assignment. You know, if you, if you, if you, the, for the governor himself. You know, that was a poor assignment. In fact, from history, we know that uh, this was an assignment, and it was a make or break. Right? For Pilate. You screw this up and it's it's curtains for you. And, and indeed it, it was. Uh, so this was a... Nobody wanted to be there. Okay? So it would have been easy to take over. But Jesus didn't come to take over. Not, not an earthly government. Okay? They just didn't understand why he came. They had a completely wrong idea about his, his entire existence. They had a wrong idea about his entrance. They had a wrong idea about his future kingdom. That's right. That's right. And I think, friends, the same is even true today. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't be. Because we have had more things revealed to us yes. through the New Testament than they ever have. You know? yes. it, it should be different today. But I believe, as I look at the world today and I look at the church, i got to be honest... And i got to believe that we have wrong ideas about Christ's existence, mm -hmm. about his entrance, mm -hmm. and about his future kingdom. Mm -hmm. Oh, the times are different, the reasons are different. Mm -hmm. But Christians still don't seem to understand the kingdom of God, and I dare say what it means to be a Christian. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I know that some people are sitting here today, or you're watching, you're thinking, oh, wait a minute. I think I got pretty good ideas. Mm -hmm. And you know, friends, I hope and pray that you do. Amen. Have you ever heard this thing, uh, get, get a clue? Mm -hmm. I, I hope that we've all got a clue. I hope we all have an idea about what it is. But the problem with it is, is that most Christians, or many people, consider Christianity... Uh, solely from this negative aspect. Let me explain that. It's, it's molded and based upon things that we can't do. Has anybody ever seen that? There's certain things about, because you're a Christian, well, you know, if I become a Christian, well, I can't do things I like to do. Now, don't tell me none of you in here ever thought that. Amen. Amen. Yet true Christians see that there are way more positives of being a Christian and they overshadow anything that might even seem negative. And the real Christian sees things that we thought were negative, that they're not. Right. So it takes a little time sometimes for you to get there. But you realize after you've absorbed and gained what Christ offers that all what you thought was negative is not. All right. Anybody? Yeah, it's not negative. In fact, a Christian can do anything that is honest, clean, moral, loving, and kind. 
why would you want to do anything else? Are you seeing this? Okay? That's why Paul said, you know, all things may be permissible, but they're not necessarily beneficial. Okay? So if it isn't beneficial, why would you do it? Okay. That's right. I hate to say it, but I think that we all do lots of things that aren't beneficial to us, but we'd like to do them anyhow, so we do. You know? I have to tell you, last night, uh, I, I wanted to get an ice cream cone. It wasn't beneficial to me at all. And, and, and I went to Dairy Queen to get one, and the line was too long, so I did. All right. But, but my doctor would tell me, your cholesterol level tells me you do not need that ice cream cone, and it's not beneficial for you. But you know what? The things that I like to eat are mostly all bad for me. Have you noticed that? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Oh, yes. You see, the main reason that Jesus came into the world, my friends, was to provide freedom and joy. Freedom and joy. He made it very clear when he said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. John 10.10. 10. And still other Christians believe that when he said uh, that there was freedom, that it means doing so in human effort. Doing so in human understanding and doing so in human fulfillment. All right. To us, living life to the full means doing those things. Preach. I can prove that. You can prove that. Oh. We can all prove that that's how we operate between our ears. Right, fulfillment then. in life is what I do in human ability. Mm -hmm. Human assumption. Oh, yes. Human achievement. Agreed? Agreed? Come on now. But when we do this, it relates to believing and doing what you want when you want to do it. You see? And this is not, friends, what freedom in Christ is. Nor is it the reason that Jesus came. <laughs> Oh, yes. And you're sitting there, kind of, anybody feel like your, your bottom has to squirm a little bit in the seat? It's not because your bottom's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. It's because you're uncomfortable because the Spirit's speaking. That's it. And we don't like it when our own thought process, our own belief system, what we know to be true and right, mm -hmm. God says, not really. Mm -hmm. And so it causes us to squirm, you know. I call the pew dance. Mm -hmm. Amen. Jesus did not come to give us grace to continue thinking, feeling, and believing in things that are completely unbiblical. Yeah. That is not what he did. That's how we practice it, oftentimes. But that is not what he has done. In fact, Jesus said he would be lifted up, my friends. So that believers could have eternal life. But the church today isn't that much different than the unbelievers that surround us. Yes, I said it. And I know that you're in your mind drawing conclusions as to why you think that is true. And still others are saying, I'm drawing a conclusion why I disagree. 
Because that's humanity. That's But the fact is we're not that much different than believers in that we want to live a brand of Christianity that is of our own blend and our own sense of right. Now, the picture is coming into focus, isn't it? Jesus told us through the Apostle Paul that we would, get this, need to die to self. In order to be identified with Christ at the resurrection of the saints. This, friends, and this alone is why Jesus came. So let's see what Jesus meant by being lifted up. First of all, Jesus was lifted up so that we could be restored and live. Okay? Now let, let that permeate in your brain pan just for a second. He came so that you could be restored to the Father and to his kingdom and live. That's right. That's right. Right? Right. I mean, that's, that's what he said. Moses lifted the bronze snake in the wilderness for the restoration of the people in Numbers 21. You may remember that story. Moses, you know, uh, had gone up on the mountain, you know, and he got the Ten Commandments, came back down, and the people had gotten Aaron, his, his, you know, his brother, to make this, this golden calf to take a look at and worship. <laughs> and I'm thinking, it didn't take very long, did it? <laughs> and so Moses busted the Ten Commandments, the tablets, all the way down. He was so distraught. And then God said, you know, open up the earth, and uh, and he sent serpents, and, and, you know, people got bit, and they were dying, and, you know. So he made a bronze serpent, and if people would look at it, they could live. And if they didn't, they would die. You see, the bronze snake was their only hope of deliverance. There wasn't any other antidote there. You weren't going to, your body wasn't strong enough to fight it off the venom and you would live. No, these servants that God sent were <laughs> worse than anything the world has even today. And so it was completely and totally voluntary to exercise faith because Moses said do this. Because God told Moses to do this. It was completely voluntary to look and live. Amen. And for many who are around there today, even as they're itching the bite, and even as the sweat is pouring off them, and even as their body is beginning to break down and shut down because the venom is blocking the central nervous system, which is likely what happened. It's, it's a neurotoxin probably. Right. That's what it is with poisonous snakes today. I suspect they're very similar. These people are dying, and when Moses said that, they went, <laughs> do what? Preach. This was ludicrous that you could even look at a bronze object and live. All right, man. <coughs> Especially from a fatal snake bite. Okay? Now, I have to tell you, yes. I, I, don't, I don't care for poisonous snakes. Okay? Amen. And if I get bit by one, and yes, we have them around here mm -hmm. a little bit. Okay? You can find a timber rattler in southern Indiana. You can find uh, a copperhead in southern Indiana. A copperhead probably won't kill an adult unless you're sick. Uh, but it could. Amen. And I have to tell you, if I get bit by one of those things, I don't think Beagle County has very many, if any. 
but the surrounding counties do. Uh, and, and, if, and if you if you get bit by one of these things, uh, and if I if I got bit, I wouldn't go. Okay, I need to find a, a bronze snake to look at. Because I think that'll heal me. And if somebody told me that, they would be ludicrous. And it was to them. It's just as ludicrous today for many of us to believe, friends, in this God that no one has ever seen. A God that doesn't seem to be tangible at all. And doesn't seem to do the things that humans believe a, get this, loving God would do. And anybody who has ever questioned God or his motives knows what I'm talking about. But the fact is that when people who were dying of snake bite looked at the bronze snake, well, they lived. And those that thought it was ridiculous and refused, well, they died. In the same manner, believers haven't been transformed into eternal life in the physical sense yet. But the Word of God, friends, promises to each and every one of us who will believe that we are transformed at that moment spiritually. And because we are, God will make good on His promise on the day of resurrection in the year of Jubilee. And I have to tell you that I choose to believe. Okay? I didn't always... But for many years now, I've chosen to believe. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And I think there are people out there who can't, who won't, who don't. And you know what's really sad? There are people in the church that really don't. Amen. Big time. Big time. Now, friends, Jesus continually set people free from the real serpent's bite. That serpent, you know, is clearly Satan, right? Mm -hmm. First, Satan has been called the old serpent over and over again. And it's the way in which he manifested himself for the very first time on earth, you know, uh, before Adam and Eve. Uh, and since that time, uh, he's been titled, you know, as, as a snake or as a serpent. In fact, God even told him that because he had deceived Eve, that he would forever be depicted as a serpent or as a snake. Now, let's consider for a moment what that means. Snakes are mostly, I said mostly, reviled by people. Now, there are some people who are like snake lovers. They go nuts over snakes. You know, I remember the days when my son would walk around with one in his pocket. And he would pull it out, and invariably it had a hold of this, it would bite him and hold on. And of course, he typically would go looking for someone he knew he could get a rise out of, mostly his older sister, right? <laughs> and secondly, his mother, right? And, and I, I learned very early on that there's a stream, and then there's that stream. <laughs> Again, not very many people, but these, see, these snakes were harmless. They were, you know, they were hog-nosed snakes, and they, were, they, they hurt, but, you know, they didn't kill you. But most people look at snakes and if you see one, you jump, yeah? If, you, if you're digging a horse around outside, you, you jump. Because the snakes are not... Anybody here loves snakes? Who loves snakes? 
Now look, now who hates them? Who hates them? Come on. Come on, guys. Come on, you indifferent people. Make a choice. Right? Okay? You. All right, then. All right. You see, people revile snakes not only in the physical sense, but also when we consider people who are disingenuous, crafty, liars, and deceivers. And that's what they're typically linked to, right? I mean, yeah, a snake, right? You've heard it said. So-and-so is a snake in the grass. Huh? Now, why would we say that unless it was a person to be reviled, you see? And more than that, Revelation tells us that the old serpent, the old snake, the devil, who is now called the dragon, okay, will be thrown into the lake of fire for eternity. Now, in the Greek, interestingly, snake and dragon come from the same root word. So you can see the relevance of what God did here. Okay. Further, Jesus delivered Mary Magdalene from demons. In Luke 8, he delivered Zacchaeus from a miserable life. In Luke 19, he delivered the woman at the well from her simple lifestyle, John 4. Notice here that Jesus did not dismiss any of these people as a hopeless case. He simply showed compassion for them, he loved them, and he set them free. That's what he came to do. And today, friends, Jesus is still setting people free. But the catch is, you got to look up at him. Okay? Deliverance from the bondage of sinful thought, sinful belief, sinful acts, and sinful attitudes is still, my friends, you hear me now, is still a voluntary response. Amen? Amen. Like the children of Israel in Numbers 21, deliverance is and has been provided for us. Yeah? Amen. And all we have to do is look to Jesus for our deliverance. But the problem for all of us is that most people simply want to be delivered from the finality, you see, of eternal damnation. <coughs> that's, that's what they really want. Let's, let's just fast forward to the end. Let's just skip to the end. I, 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 that's what I want. Yeah. Never mind the process here. Right. <coughs> Say it. But Jesus told Peter, unless I wash you, you can't have no part of me, man. It's probably, you, you don't want me to wash you, but you want to have eternity. You, you, you can't. Well, all right. You can't just say, I want it and get it. You have to go through the process. You have to make some decisions. Yeah? And you've got to make some commitments here. Right? Look, it's that way in everything in life. It's that way in business, friends. It's almost like we accept it in business and in life, but we won't accept it for eternity. Come on, man. There you go. That's it. How does that work? That's it. But yet, for some of us, it does. Oh. You see, they want to be delivered from this finality of, of eternal damnation, but they want to continue in the old lifestyle that, get this, keeps them separated from God. How, how, how do you justify that? But we are. If we're going to have 
faith that Christ can deliver us, friends, then we're also going to have to be obedient. Amen. And we're going to have to believe that he can keep us safe and deliver from the sin that got us into eternal death in the first place. Amen. You see? Amen. Jesus was lifted up on the cross, wasn't he? Mm -hmm. And just like that bronze serpent was lifted up on the pole, yes. if, if, if we believe that we'll be restored, if we look at him and believe that he will deliver us, then guess what? Then we're saved. Jesus was lifted up so that we could be restored and live. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Secondly, we have to ask the question, well, okay, so who is that? I mean, who, who exactly was Jesus lifted up for? For whom was he lifted up? <coughs> well, that's an interesting question because it's not that easy to understand sometimes. Yes. First of all, you have to understand that Jesus was raised up for each one of us as an individual. Amen. That's right. There's no doubt about it. That means that what I'm saying is, because Jesus said it, that if I were the only human on earth, mm -hmm. he would have gone to the cross for me. Mm -hmm. Or for you. Wouldn't he? Yes, he would. That's the Lord I serve. I know he would. That's okay. right. But you know, sometimes, uh, here's what we'll do. We'll plan events, even church services. And if not enough people show up, we'll decide we're not going to do them anymore. Mm -hmm. Here, notice that? Christ didn't do it that way, did he? Because the needs of the one were just as important as the needs of the many. That's right. That's right. Now, you start, Trip Hands, what I'm talking about. Okay? Oh, yes. Most of the time, it doesn't like that. Most of the time, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the one. And that's what Jesus did for us. But he did it because the need of every individual was oh, important yes. to him. Now, while the bronze snake was lifted up for all the people to see and look at, it took a personal response from each individual. It didn't matter if most of the people did it. You couldn't jump on that bandwagon because your friends did it. You had to do it. You follow me here? Every individual had to look at it to experience deliverance. In other words, the bronze snake was there. It was in plain sight. Anybody could look at it. And yet, sadly... Many did not. That's right. I mean, it's right there, right? Even if you thought, I don't believe it, but I'm going to do it just because. What if, right? I mean, to be so stubborn that you would say, ah, I'm not even going to look. That's exactly what's going on in the world today. Amen. It's right there. I'm not even going to look. And likewise, each of us is going to have to respond personally if we're ever going to know what freedom from sin really is. Mm -hmm. We're going to have to respond personally. If we have to believe in Jesus, we have to look at Him for our salvation, we have to live a life in accordance with His commands. That's right. You, you have to do that, friends. That's right. We all have to do that. You, you cannot, and I think Christians are doing it. Now, I don't think anybody, maybe some, somebody is, Maybe somebody takes the word of God. They've gotten saved. They love the idea of salvation. And so they, they go. I don't think anybody went through the word of God and said, okay, this I believe in, this I can't, this, you know. Well. But, but here's what we'll do. We'll take the Bible as a whole and we'll say, I believe in the Bible, mm -hmm. mostly. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Be frank. 
You know how I know? Because we'll agree with and, and, and conduct ourselves in a manner of way that likely goes along with most of what's in there. Mm -hmm. But there's always a few things that we don't want to deal with mm -hmm. and we tell our pastors they shouldn't deal with because, well, nobody really understands what God meant by that. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes, we do. This, that's, that's the crux we give ourselves when we want to say, I don't like it. Mm -hmm. I hope that's not what he meant because I think it should be this. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to live mostly by the scripture. Oh, yeah. And the stuff I don't agree with, I'm going to, eh. It's probably not what he meant anyway. The whole road. And yet, yes. nowhere in scripture well, anybody in any version of it, fine, that God said, follow the word of God mostly. Mm. And the things you don't really agree with, as long as they're not the majority. <laughs> we'll get to that later. Hmm? No. It never said that, did it? Can, can anybody in here, anybody, what, can anybody tell me that those words, or even that implication, is that? Is it ever implied that you can pick and choose at any level what you agree with and what you want. I guess when a pastor puts it that way, what do you do with it? See, we would rather hang on the words of what aren't, what aren't said or what isn't said. Because it gives us our own ability to fill in the blanks, you see. And let's face it, we've all filled in the blanks, haven't we? You see, simply being raised as a Christian in a, in a Christian environment or a Christian home isn't going to do it for you. No doubt. Having people pray for you won't do it. Going to church won't do it. No. Even praying yourself simply isn't going to do it. You have to determine that you want to be delivered and you're going to live in a way that proves it. Amen. All right. That's how it is, friends. Right. And you know what's a sad thing to me? I think that there are pastors and Bible teachers mm -hmm. and lay people doing Bible studies that are scared to death to say those words. If you really want to be saved, you have to believe that you can be delivered, you can make a decision to be delivered, and you're going to live in a manner and way that proves you're delivered. You see, this passage proves that everybody's included. Everyone's included. Verse 15, we read to everybody who believes. In verse 16, we read whoever believes. That makes it very clear that all who believe will immediately be saved if they ask for forgiveness. They'll receive mercy and grace. And then they're to live according to God's commands and stay in a status of salvation. Amen. That's right. You see, Jesus desperately, friends, and I say desperate, he desperately seeks to save every single person. Mm -hmm. 2 Peter 3, verse 9, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. In other words, Jesus doesn't wait until he has time to save you. He's never too busy to save you. And his presence is never closed. In fact, his throne room is always open. He is always willing 
and he is always desirous to save. Amen. In fact, Jesus said in John 6, 37, whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. There will never be gone to lunch on the door. There will never be closed open at 9 a.m. Or today, 11 a.m. My little dig. His dining room is never closed. Amen. Amen. It's never too late. It's never too early. It doesn't matter the time of the day or the night. The situation does not matter, and he has no clock. He will never drive you away. All right, now. So what you're hearing today compels you at 2 o'clock in the morning when your pastor probably doesn't want to get a phone call from you. God will take it. Amen. Always. Always. So why not? You need to reach me. You can actually wake me up. Because that's how important it is to him. Do you understand that? In most kingdoms, entering into a king's throne room without an invitation or even an acceptance, even if you had received an invitation, okay, uh, meant instantaneous death. Do you, you get that? The, the king could have invited you yesterday or whatever, and today he's in a foul mood, and so you show up with your invitation in hand, and he said, ah, not interested. Kill him. <laughs> That's why Queen Esther took a massive chance, right, going into the throne room of the king. Yeah, yeah. Amen. She wasn't even invited, mind you. But she knew <coughs> what the consequences could be. But friends, it's not so with Jesus. He continually invites and always accepts all people into his presence. He doesn't care what your race is. He doesn't right. care what your gender is. He doesn't care uh, where you came from. No matter how bad you've been, he doesn't care about you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah? Oh, yes. The Bible makes it incredibly clear. Jesus came into the world to save everyone who wants to have a relationship with his or her heavenly father. Notice I said his or her heavenly father. Because there are any other genders, according to God. Thank you. Thank you. Your turn? Yes. Yes. No one is turned away, and salvation is always available. And every single person that comes in and asks for it, regardless of what they have or haven't done, is a him or a her. And he will take them in and save them. You understand that? All we have to do is believe and what? Act. Lastly, Jesus proves that the Father isn't hostile toward humankind. You see, we've got this idea in our minds, or people do, that God is hostile toward us. But when you put things in perspective, you find out that that's completely untrue. Mm -hmm. And let me go down this road that a lot of pastors oh, yes. and a lot of people don't want to go down. Because they don't want to admit that the hostility doesn't come from God. Mm -hmm. And we don't want to be called on it. We don't want to, we don't want to open that up. Because then we've got to deal with it, see? And that bothers us. Mm -hmm. You see, right. Jesus' primary mission was not to condemn, it was to save. Now, a lot of people in the world today see God as not only hostile, but mean and judgmental toward humans. I, 
I've actually been, been told that. God is judgmental toward me. Well, never mind the fact that he has a right to be. Never mind that he's going to be your judge anyhow. Amen. He's God. Okay? And I think God, being God, you know, has a right to judge even now, whether you're right or wrong, whether you're saved or not, That's right. and whether you believe in him or not. I mean, he has a right to do that. So what are we talking about here? You just don't like it because you want to do what you want to do. Come on. <laughs> in the manner and way that you want to do it, when you want to do it, and you don't want to be told anything about it. Thank you very much. Okay? Oh, yes. <laughs> now, there are reasons why people believe that God is hostile or judgmental toward humanity. One, in the Old Testament, God seemed to be that way. But if we break it down, God was only punishing in the manner that he said he would if people were disobedient. That's right. I mean, God said, I'm, if you do this, I'm going to do this. And, and, the, and the Bible says, and the anger of the Lord burned against the people. Because they said, and did it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. right? Right, right, right. Oh, yes. Now, nobody likes to be told what to do. And don't sit there in the pew and tell me, oh, I don't mind. <laughs> Nobody likes it. You know how I know? Because your children don't like it. Your grandchildren don't like it. And are you really any different than they are? If anything, you've gotten more to the point that you don't like it. <laughs> we don't like authority of any sort. I don't care what it is. And we've got this idea in our minds that we can determine whether we should obey an authority or not. Yeah, right. Well, it, it's the authority. How do you get the right to determine mm -hmm. that? That's right. That's right. right. Obedience. We, we have established in the city of Minneapolis a, what they call, cop-free zone. <laughs> you didn't know that? Yeah. Look it up. It all stems from George Floyd. Now listen to me, friends. Ask, get this, the business owners in the cop-free zone. They can't go in there. It says they have human people, non-law enforcement, sitting in a shack in a corn area on streets of Minneapolis, and it says no cops allowed. And the city council approved it, and cops can't go in there. It's technically not constitutional. But they've done it, okay? And ask the business owners, every one of them in there, every one of them, regardless of their color, what they think about it. And they said, it's a free-for-all, it's a joke, I'm fearful of my life. We, what have we gotten to? Do you really think there's not going to be authority somewhere in everything in the world? Exactly. Come on. We've got to have law and order. We've got now. Do I think that there's some bad ones? Yes, I do. Say it now. Say it. There's bad governments. Mm -hmm. There's bad kings. Mm -hmm. There's bad authority and this, that, and the other thing. There's bad CEOs. There, there, there's poor principles. Yes, it is. There's poor everything. Friends, listen. Mm -hmm. There's poor. I get it. But there's still the authority. And if we'll do that with things so tangible to us, how would, that's what Jesus was saying. If you won't believe in the things of the earth, how do you believe in the things of heaven? 
You, you, you can't. You won't. If you think you don't need any law and order authority in, in your town that you live in, are you really going to believe in the authority of heaven? Are you really? Nobody likes to be told what to do. And here, listen, nobody likes to be punished for doing what they want to do or what they thought was right. No matter what it is, actually. But God says there are ways to live and there are ways to be. His ways are the ways that we have to accept and His ways are the ones we have to obey. You know what? Two words. He's gone. Thank you. That's enough for me. It wasn't always. But it is now. You see. And the same is true with our authority in all the earth. When you break the rules, act contrary to established policies, or disobey those in authority, there are going to be consequences. You may not like them. You don't think they should be there. But there are. And this is the problem. People don't believe there ought to be consequences for doing what they want. That's the problem. More than that, if there must be consequences, they believe that God is too harsh and what he determines is a fair punishment. Now come on. We make that argument today against any authority that we don't agree with. I guarantee you. Yet the facts are the facts and the rules are the rules. Even still, God was merciful and he was even lenient many times. Consider the woman caught in the act of adultery. Jesus was compassionate, understanding, gave her another chance to change. But he said change. <laughs> yeah? He didn't say, bless your heart, keep doing what you're doing. It's all right. He didn't stroke her hair and say, keep doing it, keep doing it. Did he? If anybody in here thinks that's what he did, all I'm going to say to you is, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. But do yourself a favor. Get the word of God. Otherwise, I think you're going to find out that what you think is right isn't. It's real simple. I'm not going to tell you it's wrong. You, you look. When the blind man was healed, his disciples asked Jesus who had sinned. And Jesus laughed a little bit and kind of chuckled and responded that nobody sinned. He said certain things have to happen and sin has nothing to do with it. You know? He did this to show that circumstances don't matter. Amen. Whether we think we're at fault or not, doesn't matter. Okay? Sin is sin, and he has the ability to heal and restore, and that's exactly what he came to do, and that's why the Father sent him in the first place. You could say, well, wait a minute. I didn't actually sin. I just got caught up in humanity. They're, they're the ones that did it. You can say, hey, don't look at me, God. It started with Eve. Hey. I, I roll my eyes because I think, surely nobody of sane mind, and that's getting fewer and fewer these days, but surely nobody would actually think they could do that before God. But I think somebody probably is. Because you will find any excuse that you think sounds plausible with any authority, including God. And God's going to say, I don't accept any excuses. Zero. Oh, you're a humanity mind. I do not. 
And somebody's out there saying, oh, I can do that. Good for you. Yes, indeed. No, sir. And I found here that while sin degrades and destroys, Jesus spent his entire life lifting up people. Giving them an example. Right. Teaching others to do it as well. And giving them a solid foundation in order to live a life that was pleasing to the Father. Right. It's totally clear to me that Jesus came into the world to do what? Save us from our sins. That's, 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 that's what he came to do. That's why he marched into Jerusalem that day. It wasn't to throw the Romans out. It wasn't to make them all feel good about themselves and rule themselves again. It wasn't for that at all. That's what they wanted. That's what they thought he ought to do. But that's not what he came for. Right. He came to save people from their sins. Jesus. And that's why Jesus said, let them holler, let them sing, yes. let them shout. Because if they don't, the rocks will cry out. Because he knew he was coming to rid the world of sin. Mm -hmm. That's it. <laughs> that's what he came to He was going to defeat Satan. This was his week to do it. And he knew it was going to happen. He was looking forward to this the entire portion of his adult life. For God did not send his son. Remember this verse? He did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save the world through him. And this is absolutely true. By modern humanity, modern humanity doesn't see it this way. Modern humanity does not see it this way. They have been taught by the serpent of old, who is called the devil, the one who is hurled down out, of, out to the earth to deceive humankind, according to Revelation 12, 9. That's what they decided to do. They decided to listen to him, be influenced by him, and buy into what he's saying. They believe that God is condemning the world. That's what Satan wants you to believe. That's what Satan wants you to think. He is performing his deception well. He is. He has taught humankind that their own understanding is just fine. Remember what he told Eve. He told her that her eyes would be open. And that her understanding, her sense of right and wrong, and what she thought would be just as accurate and just as relevant as what God thought. What God thought. What God did. That's what he told her. Basically, he told her she would be an equal to God. And that's what we want. That, that's what we're asking for. That's what we're demanding. When we think we can question God for any reason whatsoever. Now you think about that for a minute. That's what you're doing. You might not say those words. But when you question God, that's what you're doing. Now, I'm grateful that God is a lenient God. That he's a patient God. And that he offers us grace when we come to our senses and realize that questioning him is the wrong thing to do. Because Lord knows I've questioned him more times than I ever should. Has anybody in here questioned God more? He's still Yeah. Amen. See, she thought she had every right to determine what was best for herself. And isn't that what we want today? Isn't that what we're saying today? Aren't we even doing that in the church? Really? Aren't we? And Satan continues to teach this lie today. This is why most humans are hostile toward God. Not the other way. You just don't want to obey the rules. But God's not hostile. You're hostile because you want to obey. Yeah, that, that's, that's the key. 
It's also why many church attenders are doing exactly what Eve did. You notice what I said. I, I didn't say unbelievers. I said church attenders are doing what Eve did. Now, come on. You have to be honest with yourself. Okay? We are disobedient toward God. And you know want to know how? We are misinterpreting His Word in a manner and way that suits us. And that's what we're really doing. I just had this conversation with a group of pastors. Did I talk about? And someone wants to hang their head. Okay? Now look at here, friends. We reason in our humanness that if God really loves us, if He really does, then He would want us to think and feel and do whatever we believe to be best. Because you know what? Doggone it. That's what makes us happy. That's how we're reasoning. Right here. If you're training here, that's a dangerous place to be. And everybody knows that whatever you want is absolutely what's going to make you happy. Now, come on. All right. Let, let's, let's be true to ourselves here. Every human believes that what you want is going to make you happy. And I can show you a lot of people who got what they wanted and it destroyed it. Huh? And yet Jesus doesn't destroy the joy and happiness of life. That's what they think he does. That's what Satan wants you to believe he does. Well, he's just taking happiness away and you just got to be this rigid, you know, robot and do what he told you. And Noah's like, come on, you know what's up, you know, you know what's right and wrong, you know what's good for you and what's not, you know what you enjoy and what you don't, you know what makes you happy and what you don't. So don't live it. And that's certainly an option for you. You can. But remember what God said. You see, we yes. we don't understand until we come to Him that He alone can make our lives joyous even when we aren't necessarily happy. Amen. That's right. Now, did you grasp that? Go ahead. Go ahead. God, through Christ, can give us joy even when we're not necessarily happy. Uh huh. Yes. 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 We have this false sense of what happiness and joy really are. All right now. All right. And we're willing to live a lie, friends, to prove it. And Jonathan, that ought to be posted somewhere. We have a false sense of what happiness and joy really are, and we're willing to live this lie to prove it. Friends? You see, friends, whether we realize it or not, people who don't know Christ are living beneath their privilege. Amen. So true. You know how I know that? Yeah, I can see it. But I did it. I did it. I suspect you did too. At one point. Outside of Christ, you're living beneath your privilege. And this would be like the richest people in the world moving into the slums. They wouldn't do it. They won't do it. And if they do, it's temporary. To prove a point. And you know why they don't? Because they don't have to. 
You do not have to live beneath your spiritual privilege because you don't have to. At one time, maybe you did because you didn't know. But now you know. You don't have to. So why will you? It doesn't make sense in any realm of any kingdom that you would. It, it, it just doesn't, friends. You know why? Because something more is available to them and something more is available to you. And yet, this is exactly what people are doing today. It's almost like they just don't believe that God can give them the very best of their lives for now and into eternity. They think that somehow they can determine that. But I can prove to you that we've made a pretty big mess of it anyway. Amen. That's you know. Right. And just like those in the wilderness, you know, with the bronze serpent, it seems ludicrous, it seems ridiculous, so they're just not going to do it. To the devil's delight. And as our worship team comes today, friends, Scotty, go ahead. John makes a very significant statement in verse 17. God did not send his son into the world in order to judge it, to reject it, condemn it, or even pass sentence. At least not yet. That comes later from the Father, yes. But the Son came that the world might find salvation and be made safe and sound in Him. There is no other to whom we can go to to enjoy this experience. Because to save the lost is the reason and the only reason that Jesus came into the world. But we seem to think that God should use his authority, get this friends, now I want you to listen carefully here, to right those things that we consider an injustice in the world today. We think God should use his authority to right the things in the world today that we think are an injustice. He didn't come for that. He may at times... But he didn't come for that purpose. So why are we putting that as the purpose to believe in him then? In other words, why does God allow people to murder? Why are children abused? I don't know other than the fact that it's humility. And I know where that comes from. Why do people get into accidents that could have been avoided? A pastor friend just fell off a ladder. Another one. And now he's got to have certain... Listen. Why does that have... He's a pastor. Am I going to question God on that? Really? My God should reach down his finger and push the ladder back up? Friends, he didn't come for that. He came to save the lost. Why does God allow governments to oppress people? Why? 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 God didn't send Jesus to throw the Romans out and give the Jewish people freedom. And God did not send his son to fix the problems of our modern society, neither. He may. And he may hear your prayers and answer them. But he didn't come for that specifically. He came to save the lost, you see. And that's what you have to look at. Jesus came to connect people into the coming kingdom that he said he was going to rule. And so the success of his coming is dependent upon people having the faith to look to Jesus and live. 
Have you taken advantage of that today? If not, will you? Will you? And about those you know, have they? What will you do to help them? To see Jesus and believe. I do not know how many people back in the wilderness were looking downward and seeing how ludicrous it was. And I don't know how many of their friends came alongside them and said, please, please. I got to believe that there were parents trying to get their kids to look and kids trying to get their parents to look and brothers and sisters trying to get each other to look. I got to believe that some people were like, no, no, no. They're like, please. No. And I got to believe that today the same thing is happening all around us. What are you going to do? And if that person says no, 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 then you go to the next one and then you come back. Okay? Before it's too late, before the venom has taken effect. And before you can. Thanks for listening to the Free Life Community Church Podcast. For more great biblically sound teaching, visit freelifecc.com.